0: Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at talk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www talk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone. This is John Durante, your proud host of the College Admissions Process podcast. It gives me great pleasure today to introduce you to Josh Wilkinson from Bucknell University. Hello, Josh. How are you today?
1: Hello. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much, Josh. So, In addition to the fact that Bucknell has an average class size of 20 students, the student faculty ratio is 9 to 1, and 100% of the classes are taught by faculty members, what is it about Bucknell University that makes it appealing for students to want to apply?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think you touched on a couple of things that um, really feed into that, which is kind of the sense of community that you have and the support system that you get um, at a place like Bucknell. I mean, when you have the tight-knit classes, um, 20 is the average you know, uh, for class size, but that means that by the time you're a, a sophomore, junior and senior taking electives, it could be as few as five or six students <laughs> in a class and you really get uh, the attention. Um, and it's, it's especially helpful if you're interested in doing hands-on learning. Um, and that's one thing that Bucknell is huge on is really getting in there and doing really cool things right away. Um, we give our students the opportunity to do research, and as well as get the training that you need on state-of-the-art equipment. And in fact, some labs are capped at twelve students, and so in, in the College of Engineering, and so you really do get um, the training that you need uh, to do some really cool things. Um, and so, and that comes out a couple different ways. And I like to tell stories, and so I apologize ahead of time if I. Uh, start start storytelling.
0: No apologies <laughs> necessary, Josh, we're all very interested in hearing uh, what you have to say. <laughs>
1: yeah, but there's but there's, you know, honestly, it's like seeing what the students are doing um, is speaks more, I think, powerfully than a number. Um, and so we have a partnership program with Geisinger, which is our, the largest hospital network in the area. And we have a pre-health program um, that partners with them. And so what that does is it provides research opportunities for our students, internships, um, and some really unique situations. So, for instance, there was a doctor that uh, came to uh, Bucknell's College of Engineering and said, hey, uh, part of my job is to clear patients who've had a horrific leg injury to be able to drive again, but I don't have a great way of doing that. Can you can you create a device for me? Um, and so we had a, a student named Zane Patterson. who He, he did just that, um, and he, he created this device that is now being used clinically at the hospital. Um, it's a driving simulator, and he did that his first year at Bucknell. Wow. Uh, so that kind of paints the picture for you that not only <laughs> can you do research, not only you know do you have access to uh, the equipment and things like that, but you're actively encouraged to do that from day one. And so I think that's one thing that really sets um, Bucknell apart from some institutions is that we really uh, do support, like actively encourage our students to go out there and, and take, uh, make use of everything that we have, whether that's a costume shop, we have a music recording studio. Uh, maker spaces anyone can use any of those spaces regardless of major and so it really is an interdisciplinary approach um, where you can kind of go outside your major if you want um, or you can go really deep into your major of of choice and so really um, because of that you kind of have six opportunity to find success in life beyond uh, college because you really are doing amazing things Um, we had a student who got an internship at tesla um, a couple summers ago and when she interviewed, they were kind of amazed that she already had uh, experience with battery chemicals. That's what she wow. was doing, you know, in, in, in <laughs> chemical engineering. And um, and so that really helped her uh, land the internship that she wanted. So that's kind of my short answer. I, knew, I told you I might be <laughs> a little long-winded on some of these, but um, that, that's just a couple examples, I think. And, and really, it's a friendly community and a great place uh, to be.
0: Well, thank you so much for that introduction. We truly appreciate it. So let's get right into it in terms of what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of their GPA and and any other related data that you collect such as SAT or ACT scores?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our average GPA for the incoming class last year was 3.62. And then for ACT, the the middle 50% is what we uh, report for the test scores. So the middle 50%, for ACT, would was a 29 to 33, so that's the middle 50. And then for SAT, it's a 1,300 to 1,450 combined score. Um, and, and we are test optional, so I don't know if that, now's a good time to talk about that because I, I, I always follow up with, and we're also test optional, um, and so I think that kind of segues maybe into a, a, a another question, but if you – don't score in those, those, those medians, or you're worried about your score, then you have that option to not even submit it. And we actually started a pilot program, a five year pilot uh, for test optional the year before uh, the pandemic. And so it was kind of the one thing we didn't have to change when the pandemic happened. Um, And what what I've seen is that it, it really for us, we're a holistic review. And so it actually didn't change how we review an application if that test score is not there. Um, because we'll have your, uh, your your coursework and everything else that you're doing, and it'll just be as if that test score wasn't there. We, you're not penalized or anything like that, but then obviously we'll be taking a, a hard look at your academics.
0: What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability affordability, and a wide selection for bedding-to-storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for DormCo, your one-stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all, and best wishes. Thank you for that insight and also for mentioning that Bucknell is test optional. I was curious, in terms of merit-based aid, how does that affect a student one way or the other in terms of, again, the merit side if the school is test optional?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The answer is it doesn't really affect it because again, we still have that academic portion and we are holistic in general, and so that includes our merit-based aid. And so what what happens is that the uh, the reviewer will be looking at not only your scholarship application but also your Bucknell application, seeing how strong of an applicant you are overall. Um, and, and we don't have a bare minimum requirements for SAT scores or GPA for those uh, merit scholarships or for admission in general. And so we don't have like a formula that we're using. I know some schools do, or they have to or whatever, uh, but we just don't do it that way. It is always a holistic review for us. It could be the quality of your essay um, coming into play for sure, we read uh, those carefully. Uh, your, your, the rigor of your, of your coursework as much as your GPA, honestly. It's, for us, um, we really are looking for uh, examples of you pushing yourself, not, not necessarily taking all of the APs or IBs, um, but at least uh, in areas that you're passionate about and seeing not only that you're taking these rigorous courses, but you're doing well in them. And so for us, rigor is a big piece of that. And so yeah, you do have one less thing to look at when you have uh, the SAT or ACT not available. But with everything else, we really get a sense of the quality of the students.
0: Terrific. Thank you for that. And you did a great job explaining the profile of the current freshman class. What advice would you give a student if they fall lower than the current freshman class average?
1: I would say apply anyway, because you really don't know. And it's all context. And so I talked a lot about holistic, which I'm, I'm sure you'll hear from a lot of admissions representatives is sort of one of our, our key words. And it's absolutely true of the GPA as well. Uh, so what that means in terms of GPA, it's within the context. For one thing, for us, you actually have to apply to a specific college and a specific major. And within underneath that umbrella, we review everything else in that narrative. And so you know, it could look very different if you apply as a biomedical engineer or an English major or political science management, whatever it is. Um, we're, it's a very different, uh, I guess, game at that point. And so, and so the GPAs fluctuate, the SAT scores fluctuate, the ACT scores fluctuate based on what program you're applying to and how competitive they are. So that's number one. And then also it's your high school. Uh, so when I review, so I, I cover Long Island. I'm familiar with Sayos at high school, and um, and so w- usually the way I like to do it is read high schools together, high schools uh, from the same high, students from the same high school together, because that way I have valuable context. It also saves us a lot of time, which we have limited amount of when we're reading applications. And so when I read read uh, students together, the I, way I can kind of get a sense of how is how. Uh, what success is at that high school, you know, how people compare, what, what, you know, a rigorous coursework looks like, what the activities look like, and how are they're balancing that with all of the the, the rigor they have to deal with in, in the class. And so it's kind of a balancing act there. And so the, honestly, and honestly, it's all context as far as the student situation as well, because we understand, especially, you know, in these, uh, after the pandemic, that things happen. <laughs> and so we were like that before. And now it's even more so that way that, we understand if you had a year where you were just off or you had a concussion and you struggled and you had to stay in a dark room for a, a month or whatever it is, uh, we totally understand that. And so if you uh, ha- you have an opportunity to explain that on your application as well. And so if there is a, a dip um, or maybe you transferred high schools and struggled at first or the, fir- your, the first year, freshman year is always hard, I think, for students to adjust, then that, that goes into it. And really we're looking at the trend and if – you struggled a year, but you're bouncing back or, you know, are you getting better every year? We are looking at that whole picture to kind of develop what, what your story is. We're, at the end of the day, we're trying not to cut people out just because, Oh, nope, you're a 3.5, <laughs> you know, you're done. <laughs> no, we're trying, we're trying to really get a, your story and you know, and that's where you come, come into play on the application is telling us what that story is. And so whatever that is, just make sure you communicate that to us so that we have the whole picture.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And in terms of telling your story, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own calculations?
1: So when we review the application, we use the GPA as stated on the transcript. We do recalculate it. So when I gave you that 3.62 number, that that was a uh, all the GPAs recalculated to come up with that number, because every high school has, I mean, there's so many different ranges of, of GPAs. It could be a 6-point scale, a 5-point scale, 4-point scale, whatever, or 10-point scale. I've seen some interesting uh, GPA scales. Uh, but, yeah, so we, 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 get, we review what the, the high school gives us. And, again, that goes into the context of the high school. So when I'm looking at the score report, I can get a sense of, okay, what is a 4.2 here? You know, that could be high for some schools. That could be middle of the pack for other schools. It really depends. And so we really are, are trying to take what the high school gives us and within the context of that high school.
0: Terrific. Do you have any special services for students that had an IEP while in high school? If so, could you just take a moment to explain if they have a different application process or any other advice for students with IEPs? We'd appreciate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, so we have a wonderful Office of Accessibility Resources, so if you do have an IEP um, or if you need any kind of accommodation that can transfer over, you just need to contact them. Uh, fill out whatever forms they have and they're fantastic at supporting our students once you're on campus now as far as the application goes there's nothing extra you have to do i do recommend though uh there there, there's an additional information section of that application where you can kind of submit you know whatever it is you want (laughs) and and, and that might be something you want to talk about is if there is something one one big thing I see a lot is if someone gets a late diagnosis of ADHD or something, and they got, and so it affects their grades, and you can kind of see that, that once they got the, you know, the help that they needed, they did really well, you know, and so that's, that's something that I see a lot, and so maybe mentioning that um, or any other common uh, situations that you might have on the application, you can do it or you cannot do it. It's not, it's kind of up to you, uh, the, the, the applicant, but... Uh, we always find it helpful, just because. So again, we can get that story from you. But yeah, once you're on campus, you absolutely have the support that you need to continue succeeding.
0: Terrific, thank you for that. How about on-site interviews? Do you conduct on-site interviews with prospective students? You know, and if so, what advice would you give a student preparing for that interview?
1: So the easy answer is we don't. <laughs> we don't have <laughs> we don't have uh, on-campus interviews or over-the-phone interviews or any kind of interviews. So I guess what I what I do say on the flip side of that is that I, I still recommend you reach out to your counselor and introduce yourself because there's still that context that's very helpful when uh, we're reviewing an application. So when I see, oh, it's Emily and I, she talked to me at the fair or whatever, or she stopped in for a visit and we had a re- really great conversation. She had great questions, laughed at my bad jokes or whatever it is. That's all part <laughs> of the story when we're reading an application. So. Uh, we might start rooting for you. Be like, oh, yeah, I would love to see you here. That would have been great. I think she'd be a great addition before we even see that application. So even though we don't have the interview as an official part of the process, it's still very helpful to have those interactions uh, with your counselor.
0: So, but I think I'm going to pause here for a second because I think you mentioned a lot of important aspects of the entire process, which fall under showing demonstrated interest. So whether a student says hello to you at a college fair or they send you an email, those are all mechanisms that they can use to let you know that, in fact, they want to attend Bucknell University. So my question is, what else can students do to show demonstrated interest? In other words, these are the students that really want to come to Bucknell. This is their first choice school. What advice would you give them and their families as they prepare for the college process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a little tough because I think universities treat demonstrated interests differently. So, for instance, we don't you weigh it when making an admissions decision, but it is helpful for us, especially when we're sh- shaping the class. We we actually do start looking at that. Um, so when we go to our waitlist, for instance, like we're not going to offer spots on the waitlist to to students that have done nothing, <laughs> have not visited us, <laughs> have not talked to us, have not opened our emails, etc. Um, but you listed some some great examples. Um, so we do track the interest, and it does help us um, build that uh, story out. And so you mentioned one attending a college fair, so if, if you're at a college fair and you see Bucknell there and, you, and Bucknell is on your list, go up and say hi, fill out a card, so we have a record of you. Um, also, high school visits, I actually, um, in the old days, right, I would visit high schools uh, such as Syosset uh, every year. And so if you come and say hi to me, fill out a card, then we have a record of that. And this is the one I think might be tricky for students is we got a lot of email from schools But we also can tell if you open it, and so uh, (laughs) opening email from schools that you're interested in, and maybe even clicking on things, is something that uh, we that help that help. Honestly, believe it or not, that may be one that kind of flies under the radar, Uh, because I can look, and someone will say, "Hey, I'm really interested in school," and I'll look at their profile and say, "Well, you haven't opened any of our emails. (laughs) You're asking you know questions about things that we've been telling you about. You know things like that. Like it doesn't look good." And so, um, if you You know, you don't have to open them all. You don't have to try to game the system. Like there's no, again, we don't weigh it that much when it comes to admission, but it is helpful if if we can see, oh yeah, you know, it shows interest, obviously.
0: That's great advice. And, you know, we've been hearing this theme throughout different episodes where if the school sends you an email, definitely open it because you do track that. Definitely click on related links within the email because you do track that. And those are some of the things that, schools use to determine whether you're interested or not. Certainly if you're sending emails and no one's opening them um, and those students are on the wait list, I would imagine that their chances of attending are gonna be less because they're not showing, again, the demonstrated interest. You mentioned students visiting the campus and filling out a card. Is there a formula? Is once enough? I know that sometimes students are coming from out of state. So how often should a student visit campus?
1: You know, this is something that we're really careful about because we understand, first off, that not everyone can visit campus, uh, especially now, you know, you may not feel comfortable traveling or what have you. Uh, so it, there's no formula for that. We're not going to ding you if you can't visit. We just highly, highly recommend you do because, as, as I'm sure you know, if, if you visit a campus, like that's sort of most of it almost. <laughs> you know, you, you, you show up and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, th- I can see myself here or I cannot see myself here, um, and you get a sense of the student body, you get the intangibles that you cannot get from an email, you know, as much as I would love to say our emails are great, and uh, they, you know, display a lot about what makes Bucknell great, but it's not the college campus, you know, it's not the student body, it's not the professors, and so there's no substitution for visiting campus, there just isn't, it's the best way uh, to know, and, and and a lot of the students, in fact, I'd say most of the students I talk to, who we ask, "Why did you pick Bucknell?" It has to do with their visit. They showed up. People were so friendly. They got lost. A student stopped and helped them find where they had to go. They talked to a professor, and they're blown away by the things that they were allowed to do in class or what have you. Um, or, the, of course, Bucknell is a very beautiful place, and so it's it's like, oh, the, the, the campus beauty just you know blew my mind. And so there's lots of reasons and lots of things you get out of visiting. Um, but yeah, you know, it, as far as the, in, the interest, I wouldn't worry about that a, as much cause we, at the end of the day, we just want you to feel safe and, uh, and be able to do what works for your family. But if you can make it, absolutely. We've kind of opened up campus visits at this point. So.
0: What about virtual tours? Do you track whether or not a student conducts a virtual tour? Do you offer zooms and track whether or not a student attends any of those sessions?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, thank you for bringing those up. It's, it's, uh, it's, we have a lot of options now uh, for students. So yes, we have a virtual tour. We, we have a virtual information session and we do uh, any, anything where you pretty much have to register for it, you fill out a form or uh, telling us that you were there, we have that in our system. And so that, that applies to all that. In fact, we actually have a driving tour which you can come to campus, See, you know, talk to nobody, pick up a packet, <laughs> drive around your, 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 uh, in your car and there's actually an online form that you fill out for that. And we, so we know, oh, hey, so-and-so did the driving tour. And so we even track that. And so, yeah, it's just very helpful for universities to see what, how people are doing. And, you know, it also helps us um, figure out how effective what we're doing is uh, to help better serve the students. And so we want to see how many people are getting, doing the driving tour and, are, you know, has it been successful. And same thing with the virtual uh, options as well.
0: Terrific, and thank you for that. So let's uh, switch gears just a little bit and go back to the application process itself. What are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the the college essay is something that I always say is kind of our favorite part because you're really getting the heartbeat of the student. It's the personal part. You know, everything else is sort of lists and numbers and things like that. Uh, But the the essay, and I'd say the essay in combination with the, the letters from the counselors and the teachers are kind of that sort of peek behind the curtain. And so you get some uh, really interesting stories. And for me, really, we were looking at students being genuine and being themselves on the essay. And so some of my favorite uh, essays are ex- maybe extreme versions of that, I guess you would say. And so the ones <laughs> I, I always come to mind, um, I think one of the best essays I've ever read, the student described herself and her love of the Kitar. And you know what I'm talking about, the keytar from like the 80s where it's that keyboard that you're holding like a guitar. And I and, and I mean, I could not yes. believe I was reading about the keytar, you know, in 2020 or whatever it was I was reading <laughs> it. But it was an amazing essay because it was well-written. It was funny. You got a lot of sense of her personality from what she was writing. And she used the keytar to kind of compare the different aspects of her life. It was kind of a metaphor of her life and how offbeat she is or whatever. And I just thought... I. you have to come here, you know, like I was just, I just wanted to be like, this is the most creative essay I've ever, I've ever read. And so genuine, so personal. Um, And I think sometimes students fall into the trap of like, I have to impress people. I have to write an academic treatise, you know, it has to be well, well written and obviously no mistakes and things like that. But we really wanted to, to be you um, and, and, in that sense. And so that was really her and that was what was amazing about that. And then the other example that comes to my mind, uh, a student, raised snails in their backyard again something that was kind of like well that's weird you know but it was he did it really well and it's kind of expressed his interest in how you know nature works and how he loves to cultivate things and it was related to his major as well and so that was something that we're like oh yeah we could totally see him doing that here and you know we have a primate lab on campus we have bats on (laughs) campus we have a greenhouse like he's gonna do great here you know he's gonna be able to uh, take advantage of the things we have and, and fit in nicely. And so those those are a couple of uh, essays that come to my mind.
0: Well, thank you for sharing those. That's fantastic. What about new trends in the college application process with COVID and everything that we've been through over the last few years? Are there any new trends? And how has COVID changed how you evaluate student applications?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting, well, I have to say it's been interesting times. It's the thing to say, right? But uh, (laughs) I mentioned one of the trends already, which is test optional. Uh, Again, we were a little bit ahead of that, thankfully, for us. Uh, But I think think it's here to stay for a lot of schools. I think it's going to be a bigger trend. I think what we're finding is a lot of schools were kind of forced into it and realized, oh, wow, we can actually do it this way. And this might actually be better for the students and everyone involved. And so I think you're going to see test optional sticking around. The other... Part of it is, I think, accessibility. Uh, again, this is something that we were, was always on our mind before, but now it's like to the next level because I think a lot of things that were, uh, I guess, a lot of inequities or what have you are kind of come to the forefront um, with COVID when certain areas don't have good internet access. Um, some families, they might have, share a small home with a large family and the student may not have a place to do virtual learning. You know, things like that that have come into play. Uh, for us. And so what we've seen um, places like College Board and Common App and things like that of giving us new metrics uh, to sort of determine these things. And so we, you know, we're able to take a look and see what the internet accessibility is like, you know, what the, uh, I I think another new one I saw was ability to respond to emergencies in the area. So some, some areas are really great at that. Some areas are not so great at that. And so being able to kind of see the, the, again, I keep saying context. And so (laughs) see the context the student is in, and being able to see you know, what situation they have has really been able, we've been able to flesh that out a little bit uh, with COVID. And so I, I think those are a few uh, trends that you're seeing. Um, and I think the other thing, I, I, and I guess this is different for every school, but for us, the other trend we're seeing is more applications. I wow. think, uh, I don't know if, uh, this is my theory, <laughs> is that some, and I don't know if this is bonkers or what, but my theory is that schools that tend to be more personal, are seeing an increase in applications. I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but we've had two straight years of record-breaking application numbers for us, and, you know, it's, I think maybe it's because, you know, we were able to stay open, we were in person, we were able to, we, we've, we've taken the safety of the students, though, like, very seriously, and a lot of schools have, um, and, but then we also have a very tight-knit supportive community and professors are checking up on people and, you know, like you, you're not going to get lost, <laughs> you know, and, whereas I think some, some schools, you, the fear might be that you would. And so that's my theory. I have no idea if that's true or not. Uh, I don't know if, they, if you've seen something similar.
0: Well, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, we've had students obviously that I know that have attended and that are currently there, and the feedback has been tremendous in terms of exactly what you point out the tight-knit family feel is alive and well at Bucknell University. I was curious for you to give us a little bit more information in terms of just how many applications do you get each year?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it depends on the year, but the last two years now, we've been over 11,000, which we've never hit 11,000 until two years ago. And so usually it's around 10,000 or so, but
0: well, that's a lot of applications. I believe the total enrollment is somewhere around 3,500, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Yes, that's right. We're a little over 3,600.
0: Okay. So that's, you know, amazing numbers. So congratulations to Bucknell on that success. What about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student-athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Bucknell is actually a Division One school in the Patriot League. And so really the best Way for students to show interest is to reach out directly to the coaches, and so we have our athletics website. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. BucknellBison.com, I think, or, is uh, you go to the athletics website and there's a list of coach contacts, and it's reaching out to those coaches because it's sort of a separate process. And we actually have an admissions officer in our office who is the liaison between athletics and reads the applications in conjunction with the coach. So it's very much working closely with the coach here in admissions. Uh, so really it's not so much as talking to me, but talking to the coach and indicating that interest and in developing a, or a, an interview or like meeting with them is always very important. And sometimes they'll show you around the facilities and things like that.
0: That's great advice. And what we could do is add that link to the show notes so that if there is anyone who is a potential student athlete, We could put that link and any others related to Bucknell University in the show notes. So I appreciate that. Um, And lastly, I guess what I'll ask is, what are your three top pieces of advice you would offer prospective students and their parents in terms of the college application process?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost, because it is very, it's a stressful process. You know, there's no way around it. Uh, For parents, it's an expensive (laughs) process, and we totally (laughs) understand that. But for the students, we like to or I like to say, to relax and be yourself like first and foremost uh, because you'll find a place. You'll find a place for you. We hope that's, you know, and every and I think most of my colleagues at other institutions say that, like, we hope it's us, but if it's not, we just want you to be, be happy. Like, we're not going to take it, you know, personally or anything like that. Um, <laughs> we we want to find a best-fit school for you. And so just try to relax and be yourself and, and, and on that application. And I think the next thing I would say is – Pay attention to the application and fill it to the brim, I would say. So don't leave us guessing, I guess, is the point there. Uh, we, we only know what's on the four corners of that application. So if you don't list the extracurricular activities that you're doing, we don't know that you're doing them. And it's, again, you need to really tell us everything you're doing. You need to tell us, uh, fill out that app, the essay. We have a supplemental question on the application. Do a good job on that. Pay attention to that because we actually we read each one. And so our supplemental question, for instance, it says, you know, why did you pick this major? What interests you in this? What's your history and background, whatever, for this major? And a lot of people will fall into the trap of like, well, you know, I'm interested in this because I like science or whatever. And that's it. And they just end it there. Uh, But we, you know, but we grade all these sections. And so what do you think that's going to look like? (laughs) It's not going to look like a very good grade. And so you want to make sure you're you're fleshing it out. Um, You're trying to answer the question to the best of your ability. And so those, those are a couple of, I guess, uh, examples uh, as far as the application goes. And then also the, the last thing is kind of tricky. It has to do with the finances, and that's make sure you know how each school handles uh, scholarships because it's different for everybody, and it's different for us. And I'm always trying to, to tell people about it, and it always people always miss it because it's easy to miss And so for Bucknell, you actually nominate yourself for merit scholarships. We actually have an online application on our financial aid website uh, where we have, I think, something like eight different scholarships on that form, and you can actually apply for as many of them as you would like. And, you know, they have a question for each one. You submit it. You you know, we can only award one, but you want to give yourself as many chances as possible to get a scholarship money. And we're always looking for more people to fill out that application. So we're always like, yes, please find it apply, but it's different. And so, and that application for the scholarships is due the same day as your, your application due date. And so it's kind of tricky because a lot of students sometimes will submit that application by January 15th. And then in March, they'll be like, okay, but what about merit scholarships? And we have to tell them, uh, well, it's our deadline's already passed. <laughs> you know? So um, don't be that person. Uh, definitely look ahead of time as far as what, how each school handles scholarships. Cause it is, it is a little confusing. It's not, you know, the best, we try to make it as easy as possible and put it in your hands, but you still have to to find it
0: well that's great advice to definitely be aware of what in this case bucknell university but what the college you're applying to is asking for so if you can nominate yourself for a merit scholarship which is certainly a unique unique thing right it's not something that's come up in previous episodes it's certainly important to be aware of that the other piece in terms of in your case a supplemental essay but even if a college is asking for an optional essay just understanding students, the importance of filling out those essays. Optional, by the way, is not optional. (laughs) It means that they're looking for more information and to fill it with as much information as you can so that they get a better window, a better picture of who you are as a person and why you're applying to their college or university. So Josh, tremendous advice, great conversation. I really can't thank you enough for your time. You've been very helpful, and I'm sure a lot of students and their families are gonna appreciate this conversation. So thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, absolutely, you're welcome. And thanks so much for having me. It's been been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.